0: Alright everybody, welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host Michael, and as always I'm joined by...
1: Joshua Mervell. Today we're going to be watching some X-Men related uh, TV shows.
0: That's right, and uh, we have a returning guest host in the form of G.I. Jolie.
2: Yes, indeed. Hi. <laughs>
0: That's right, and because we're doing X-Men, we decided to call our... Resident X-Men expert, Brent. Yay! I I think you guys used to
3: call me back in the day Harvey Brent or Clark Brent. I can't remember (laughs) what we decided on, but...
0: I think we used both. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you listeners out there, you can vote on what the coolest name is for Brent. Harvey Brent or Clark Brent. We haven't decided yet. So anyway, so yeah, so this week, as we mentioned, we are going to be comparing the pilot episode of the infamous 90s X-Men series that pretty much the entire world knows about. We're going to be comparing Mm -hmm. that to one of the very uh, first animated appearances of the X-Men, and this is in the Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends cartoon. So just to be clear, this is not their first appearance. They did appear in a couple episodes of uh, of one of the 1960s cartoons. It might have been Submariner, I think. And then they Mm. have appeared in cameos and and, uh, two or three other episodes of Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. But this is the first one where they're featured throughout the whole thing. Okay? So I'm going to do my best to uh, summarize the plot for this one. I've actually just been watching the entire series all the way through again on Disney+. Um, So a little (laughs) plug for them there.
2: Unsponsored.
0: Right, because they, they need
1: it. Yeah, I'm sure I was going to say I'm sure they need it. <laughs> we we start off with Spider-Man in, uh, and uh, his friends, Starfire. Starfire?
0: <laughs> no, Firestar.
1: <laughs> Firestar, yeah. Firestar and Iceman, they're in the uh, the X-Mansion in the uh, Danger Room. Right. That's kind of where, where we start off with uh, this one, and Spider-Man wants to have a go uh uh in in the danger room and then something goes kind of astray um he uses his spider senses to to realize that there's a real missile in there and it's not just a hologram
0: right yeah
1: so that's kind what of where I... things take off yeah if you want to take over
0: yeah and then so basically um so they have all, all this cool stuff inside the danger room. We're introduced to the members of the X-Men who we'll talk about later because there's some oddities in this lineup that I won't spoil now. But basically, yeah, Spidey's like, well, I'm going to go in on this, on this danger room thing. And then he goes in <clears throat> and things do, um, and it's a lot tougher than he thought it would be. But basically what happens is they end up um, – uh, they're being sabotaged by this guy. What is his name again? I was trying to remember. Uh, si- Siberiad. Siberiad? Yes. yes. Siberiad. And so Siberiad, from what I remember, even though it was a day ago, has taken over. <laughs> he's controlling the danger room, right? Like, he's controlling the mansion. So he's kind of trapped yeah, them in there. Yeah, he's in Cerebro. And, right. Yeah, Cerebro. So they've got to figure out a way to defeat him. And adventure ensues from there. And they basically try to make their way to the mansion, right? To defeat this bad guy, who I believe is from right. the comics. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. Yeah.
1: And he he uh, he's... Uh targeting the X Men because he has a uh history with Firestar.
0: Right. Right, right, right. There's a great yeah, a great scene where uh sometime <laughs> in the past uh what 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 was the were they in a jet or something? She, went,
2: she went on vacation yeah. and met um just you know, he he was what is he Nathan Price. He he's introduced as um an engineer. Uh, She meets him at a a resort or during some getaway, and they fall in love. Right. And then... A tale as
3: old as time, really.
2: Yeah. mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs)
1: truly, uh, uh, yeah, so there's this accident that happens uh, while uh, in his lab where half of him catches on fire, um, and he blames it on her. uh and that's why he wants his revenge and it's like this character kind of has the like robot side versus the human side that like jekyll and hyde thing going on um so there's he's struggling with that the entire time kind of in the background yeah this hmm this episode (laughs) this whole show i feel like is the marvel team up of this is TV show.
0: before you continue before you continue before you say another <laughs> despairing disparaging word right. i've watched every episode except one now i've rewatched, and okay. i gotta say some of the animation in this series is actually really good some of it is sort of typical of the day uh on par with um what would, would have been later uh, uh gi joe and transformers of the same mm-hmm. sort of time period. Some of the episodes are a little bit better. They're more like anime. And then this okay. episode is an example of one where the animation is not good yeah, uh, at all. The writing is not great. I still have an affection for it. But overall, yes, I was disappointed by the episode. But Josh, you were saying?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the story's not great. The animation is rough at times Uh, like the continuity and just like the weird things that happen it's not just like the movement but like the background will just disappear randomly or like uh, you know there's this one point Kitty Pride gets thrown into a room and the door opens one way when she's walking in and then when she's standing there it's the opposite way and then like every shot it's flipping back and forth it's like there's just no like, huh. you know, like continuity or like, you know, uh, 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 like thought put into it. Some of the times, I mean, even right. when uh, the the uh, the cables get cut on the <laughs> on the elevator, Starfire or Firestar, sorry, is holding onto the cables and flying up the the elevator shaft. Spider Man uses his web to grab onto it and start pulling up. The shot of them like of the web grabbing onto the elevator. The elevator is not there. There's <laughs> nothing there. I noticed
0: that. I know. The elevator
1: is not even there. It's not, they're not, they're not pulling anything up. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's very lazy. And, uh, I, it is probably important to, to point out. This is in the eighties. A lot of these cartoons had very low budgets. Um, mm. and they were kind of pushed out very quickly on a short, uh, time frame. So a lot of the animators probably didn't have time to go back and like double check for for errors and stuff like that. So it's definitely a product of its time, uh, but it's it's also something that stuck out to me as an animator.
0: So resident X-Men expert Brent, uh, what was your first impression? First of all, have you ever seen Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends?
3: i have actually not and i felt terribly ignorant that i didn't even know it existed and i really? i think that's mostly attributed to my fixation of of the 90s spider-man cartoon anything marvel mm-hmm. 90s i loved but i i i was maybe barely aware of spider-man and his amazing friends and i definitely wasn't aware that the x-men were in the cartoon so i in that sense i was surprised um in terms of the cartoons, so you, uh, you guys talk about continuity errors, and that's uh, something that I certainly picked up on um, in Spider-Man and his amazing friends. In particular, uh, I mean, the episode, once once you realize Siberiad is behind the whole hijacking of the danger room and he, and he captures, I think, Kurt at some point, um, Professor X decides to act like the Scooby-Doo gang and split up and search the, the mansion. But one one really jarring inconsistency is the teams he tells people to split up in and go down different corridors. I don't know if anybody noticed that, but he told um, I, I might be getting it wrong. I might I should have maybe rewatched it. But he tells Storm, I think, and Kitty, and it might have been Colossus or no, I think it was Thunderbird um, to go one way. But when you cut to Thunderbird's group, it's like Thunderbird. Uh, Cyclops <laughs> and storm it was like completely yeah. it's just i had to do a double take there is like that's not that's not right is it um so like you i like you were talking about josh i think the the animation was quite you know i think they were on maybe a rush schedule let's say
0: yeah uh gi jolie what's your impression of this episode your first impression
2: well that would explain uh why everything after Siberiad seemed crazy like Like they were just throwing darts at a board to see what, not even to see what would stick. I I think at one point a lot of the a lot of the action was revolving around Nightcrawler of all people. Um, I was just overall, (laughs) it felt very Marvel team up to me. Um, but like not in oh, not that's just so listeners want the history and maybe Brent too is that Marvel team up is notoriously bad for teaming Spider-Man up with like just whoever's around and like just kind of doing a shoddy job of it um, that we happen to be noticing every single week so um, this is no exception mm-hmm. um, you get X-Men and you get Spider-Man um,
4: mm-hmm.
2: eh and you get the things that you wanna see from the X Men, like the danger room and like Kitty Pride walking through a wall. But that's it. there's not there's nothing there's nothing there. Like it's weird to me that he's teamed up with only two people who are are they let me like correct me if I'm wrong, who are considered X Men, but like they just hang out, the three I'm of not them. quite so sure.
3: I'm not quite so sure Firestar is as well known to be an X-Man, no. which kind of threw me off.
0: Yeah, she was Firestar was created for this show. Mm. Uh, they wanted to have the Human Torch, but his rights were tied up in another show. So they just created Firestar to have the fire ice dynamic there. And they pre- pretended she was in the X-Men, but she actually was never in the comics until later. But right. great. That, okay. that being said, as a character, I think her costume's great. I think her voice, the, the girl who does her voice is great. So I love her as a character.
2: Well, the girl who does her voice, I think, is someone famous. Yeah, Allison
4: uh, court. Hmm. Little House on the uh,
0: Prairie, or something.
1: I can't speaking remember. of voices, that's it's definitely Frank Welker who does Iceman.
0: Yes, you're right.
1: It's it's mm-hmm. un- unmistakably Fred. <laughs> so it's yeah, funny right. that you were you were mentioning the uh, the Let's Split Up gang. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I was gonna say actually, speaking of that um professor x's voice i'm sorry i had to do a deep dive there for a second i'm it sounds like i almost thought it was an imposter trying to play professor x i'm like is this cartoon layered like is this like some sort of large overarching subplot isn't actually (laughs) professor x because this sounds like an imposter
0: (laughs) yeah okay now before we continue, I just have to point out, when we originally planned this episode, we had actually planned to do a different episode of um, Spider Friends, and that was A Firestar is Born, which I had watched, and Brent, you watched, right? did. I did. Jo- Jolie or Josh, did you watch that one? I did not. No. Okay. So, I actually thought that one was a better episode. Brent, what did you think of that one, just as versus quality, versus this one?
3: Oh, in terms of quality, yeah, for sure. I would say it's definitely um, miles ahead of um of this episode. But I think it also had, it had great writing in terms of crafting an origin story for Firestar. I actually think, I mean, you know, it still has the, the 80s, you know, hokey, you know, aspect to it. But I think they did a good job of providing Firestar with some depth and origin, which I didn't know
0: I needed, but I did. So there you go, Josh. Now you have to watch that episode, okay? Yeah.
4: <laughs> All right. <laughs> but,
0: okay, so now knowing that, though, um, mm. one of the most glaring uh, inconsisten- inconsistencies, or whatever you want to call this, about that episode versus this one that I didn't even notice until three quarters of the way through, this episode doesn't have Wolverine. Did anyone else notice that?
1: Yeah, yes, it was, it was a little weird, especially when they start talking about Animantium too. Right, specifically right. in this episode where like one of the rooms is an adamantium room
2: actually
0: adamantium
2: yeah it's made yeah. of vibranium oh vibranium right. but because it's an eum it made me think of wolverine anyway so right. i was like oh wait a second was that him out in the hall with storm when they're like there was at one point where they're like well i can't do this and i can't do this and like and it goes from x-men to X Men. i was like what kind of camp (laughs) bullshit is this (laughs) but like uh, it was kind of like um three stooges funny um Mm. but i i assumed that it would go to wolverine and it never did and i was like "Hmm, maybe wolverine isn't Mm. part of the x-men at this point but i was pretty sure that he is i don't i don't know funny Mm.
3: Funny story. He is a member of the X Men in that other suggested episode of Firestar is born. Yeah. Uh, so he is. We know he's around somewhere in this, you know, eight one zero seven universe. I think I looked it up, and that's what this was considered to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, in in this cartoon, he has an Australian accent. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Cool. And which
0: they also brought back in another version of the X Men that we'll talk about in another episode. But of the uh, X Men. Yeah, you got it. Oh, have you seen that, Brent? I sure Has have. Has she oh. seen it? Okay, I was I was gonna we're gonna review that in a future date, but um, let's just briefly. I mean, like I already said, I liked Firestar. I'm assuming everyone else, Brent. You like Firestar? Do you think she's cool?
3: I'm. Yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm positively indifferent, but I don't dislike her.
0: Okay. Okay. So let's just briefly talk about the way that these characters are portrayed. Um, especially versus the animated series that we're going to review next from the 90s. Sure, yeah. let briefly run through these. Uh, I thought Cyclops looked great. Um, his voice, to me, was not Cyclops, but I want to make a point. His voice in A Firestar Was Born was ridiculously bad. It was a different actor, and it was terrible. <laughs> so this was better than that, but I still didn't think this was the real Cyclops. Brent, what did you think?
3: i agree the voice in a fire star is born i I apologize for bringing it up so much but the voice was too much it was so militant and i know cyclops tries to posture of being this you know good old you know military boy but it was it was off-putting
0: right uh gi julie what'd you think of cyclops
2: um is he russian no he's (laughs) american (laughs) Cyclops, okay. not just American. I don't know. I I was just getting like Soviet vibes from him. I don't. Kn- mm. It was it was not good. Maybe it's like the it, the Uber military thing, but
3: this is a post McCarthyism cartoon. I mean, you you could not be far off. Maybe there's some sort of red agent, you know, red scare thing going on there. Some sort of subtext that we're not privy to.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like I guess Cy- Cyclops was service like do you. Cyclops was serviceable. Are we gonna go through them mm. character by character? Yeah, what is Golden? That's yeah. gonna be like the canned answer for all of them.
0: So all just serviceable? Uh... Okay, well, it's I okay. think that I some think of them stuck out to be
3: MVPs with voices. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. What's that? Like e- even Spider Man didn't sound like Spider Man to me. Like Hold he was like vulnerable. radio.
4: No, radio host spider-man this is the
0: real this is the real spider-man folks okay this is what got me into <laughs> spider-man so okay so let's just quickly josh what you so think of cyclops? so
1: uh cyclops yeah he, he was fine i not i feel like he wasn't in it a whole lot like the moment that i really remember was him escaping that vibranium room
4: mm.
1: which i didn't think was possible ah. like by whatever uh yeah that's really the only thing that i remember of cyclops he was fine
0: Okay, we'll do this quickly. What about Storm? Uh, Storm, I didn't, I thought she was okay, but not as good as the 90s one. Uh, Brent, what did you think Mm -hmm. of Storm?
3: Yeah, not as commanding or as goddess-like as one would expect Storm to be. I am Mm -hmm. not a fan of mediums that whitewash Storm's um, portrayal. So sorry, Halle Berry, and sorry, this cartoon.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. She didn't sound yeah. African. She didn't sound African American. She didn't sound anything but white, right?
3: Yeah, and it's just not accurate. Like, Storm is, is an African goddess, and right. you want that to come through. Right. And right.
1: it's also important to note she was voiced by a white actress. Really? Yeah. Oh,
0: interesting. 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 Okay, mm. uh, G.I. Jolie, what do you think of Storm?
1: It's actually the, the same person who voices Firestar.
0: Oh, see, that's just saving money, right? That's just ridiculous. But anyway.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She looked like Storm. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just, I can't can't get that picture out of my mind where they're in the hallway. They're like, well, I can't do it. Cut, like (laughs) pan to the next. Like, really? I don't know.
3: I will say she had my favorite costume, though, out of all the X-Men. I think that's a fabulous look for Storm.
0: For sure, yep, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next is Colossus. Who? Speaking of Soviets, uh, oh. I don't think the actor was from Russia. That's for sure.
4: No, um, I
0: don't know why they can't.
4: Like, they I, don't if, act, like they I don't
0: know if, like, I don't know if the actors ever heard a
1: Russian accent before.
0: Right? Like, why? Why can't they just put like? There's got to be someone in California that can speak Russian to give it a vague Russian accent. Like, come on, right? I always Wait, wondered about that.
2: Who did what? we talk about first? Cyclops Oh I thought we were talking about Colossus sorry no. the sea names Again I'm corn drunk okay, No 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 cool. Colossus <laughs> is from Russia yes. Do you know what Brent said there are no Yeah Brent said there are no MVPs He was Almost an MVP At least he was like in there Do you know what He's... he was doing What I know him to do which is Be all American and Use those laser eyes Okay yeah but like yeah. yeah like storm did nothing,
0: right, mm.
2: Kitty Pride barely walked through a wall.
0: what about Colossus
2: mm, I think we're go- we're we're going somewhere that I would agree with, which is he's never heard the the voice actor has never heard a Russian native speaker or an a Russian accent in his life. I mean, right. he must not have because. I don't know where he was drawing any inspiration from, but like again, um, cool. Colossus rips a door down. He's just a he's just a Hulk.
0: It was cool to see him rip that door. That was very cool. Um, yeah, but okay. like what
2: what else do we ever see him doing? butt rip doors off of hinges.
0: <laughs> he's the strong guy, right? There's got to be a strong guy. There's always a strong guy in every group.
2: Yeah, Cyclops could do that though. Mm, maybe.
0: Well, yeah. You know what's funny? Cyclopses. Just so everyone knows, Cyclopses' eye beams are not lasers. They are force beams. They don't actually emit heat, or they're just concussive.
4: But concussive. Anyway. That's the word. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Which but if a, they str-
2: if they're able to uh, in- make impact, they can make impact in the way that. Anyway. Just, yeah. They to could not, now we're just forcefully. arguing yeah. physics yeah. of <laughs> yeah, they the they physics of the X Men.
0: <laughs> uh okay a couple more left what about professor x brent terrible you think professor x
3: <laughs> he is my least valuable player that yeah. voice is so offensive to me as i already mentioned I, I i honestly thought it was an imposter and i'm like this is gonna pay off in a future episode yeah, that's yeah.
2: professor x. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're gonna introduce oh, how I was. the tell she are <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah he's he wasn't favorite.
0: great uh gi mm-hmm. Jolie. what'd you think
2: Mm -mm. Mm -mm. the moment he started speaking it was like who is this corn fed i guess i'm at a point in history where i assume he's british
4: well that's the thing
0: i I, i've read you know a thousand issues of x-men and he's not british but he's because of patrick stewart people always assume he is but even he's from new england yeah even in the movies patrick stewart he barely yeah does he do an american accent no. No. Kind of?
2: No. So
0: I think they're kinda of just vague about it.
2: No, even if he was from New England, like he still didn't have an accent that sounded like someone from New England.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. They did so, not
0: they did uh, not
1: source that well. No.
0: Ooh. Uh Joshua oh. Mervell, what'd you think of Professor X?
1: It was really uh, like really off oddly deep too. <laughs> like I I didn't expect Professor X to have like a super deep voice like that. Like, it was weird.
0: Well, it was probably he, the guy who does Iceman just deepening his voice. It's the same three people doing it. Probably. Everything, right? <laughs> he
3: almost sounded like a Valley girl. He had, like, a Valley girl accent if you go back and listen, like, a male version. But he right. had, like, that, like, drawl that, like, there's something wrong. Like, it
4: was, very, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there was a drawl to it. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, just forced. Okay, now we've got two members. These two members are unique. Somewhat unique to—they're definitely not in the '90s cartoon, I don't think. First of all, we have Thunderbird. Uh, Brent, are you familiar with Thunderbird?
3: I sure am, and I was very surprised to see him here. Right. <laughs> Back I mean, from the dead.
0: Right. For those who don't know, <laughs> Thunderbird appeared in Giant Size X-Men Number One, and then I believe two issues into the regular series, he was dead. Right? X-Men '95, I think he died. Uh, I mean, it's nice to see a Native American character in there. Again, they probably didn't get a Native. Uh, American voice actor.
1: Yeah,
0: but it was nice to see him. And then didn't he change into like a tiger at one point, or some he kind of animal? A, a, bear. Into... a bear, a bear, right? Which he cannot do in the comics. Although it wasn't a bad Okay. Idea. Um, yeah, Josh, what did you think?
1: Uh. Yeah. You oh, still
0: with us? <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm with you. I don't know. I- I'm thinking I'm just tired. I- at this point, I'm just like these guys are. I guess they're the X-Men, they got the X logo on. They That's sure kind of do. how I feel.
0: They sure do. What about you GI Joe? Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, that was it was it was great to see um all of the X-Men doing like X things. X things. Um Right. You know how they never really played to the strengths of the group it's like um i read did i read somewhere am i wrong that this was sort of supposed to be like a pilot for um yeah it was, it was, it was kind supposed of a to pilot, be like yeah. like a test to see if they could do an x-men cartoon so Ooh. i i understand i just i didn't know why i love thunderbird but why was he here like i don't get it like, it is every, not every X-Men needs to go on every X-Trip, you know? Apparently, they were going to
0: do this lineup of the X-Men with the addition of Ms. Marvel as binary because Carol Danver- Danvers changes powers and becomes binary at one point. And then they were going to add Video Man. The, oh, yeah. The, yeah, which is uh, ridiculous. Because, I
4: also... Yeah.
0: Because, yeah, like we said, they left out Wolverine, they left out Banshee... Right. Wasn't, and Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler was he in this one? He was. Yes. He was.
3: Yeah. yeah okay. He was. I'm.
2: I'm,
0: yeah. I'm mixing up this one with the Firestar is born. But anyway, go ahead, Julie.
2: But I wanted to point out too, just while you're saying that, like they were going to change her name to Lady Lightning. Yes. Because yes. they didn't think that people were going to understand that she was Miss Marvel. <sighs> because there's a okay. lightning bolt on her boobs.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, really. Thankfully, animation the standards have changed um, really quickly. Nightcrawler, I was so glad to see him because I, I, yeah, you know, this is obviously the classic lineup, so I would like to see him in there. Obviously, his voice wasn't quite right. Josh, what did you think of him?
1: No, I actually think that maybe Nightcrawler was the best of them all for me. I thought that the voice kind of worked. Um, he, he, he himself wasn't really in it a whole lot. Um, what's his name? Two Faces robot two faces using a projection of him siberia (laughs) Uh, he's using a projection of him to trick uh the rest of the x-men so he's in it in a sense but like nightcrawler himself is only in it uh at the the beginning briefly yeah i thought he was fun they they really they really like they really like uh back him into the corner back him into a corner of being the goofy x-man like, they say it a couple of times. Like, he's the goofball of the group, huh? Mm-hmm. And you can really feel that, like, test of, of it trying to be a show. Like, look at We got this guy. He's the serious one. And, you know, Nightcrawler, he's the goofball. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he was good, though. He he was probably the best one of them all.
0: Brent, what would you think of uh, Nightcrawler? Okay, so first thing I think
3: is actually kind of important. <clears throat> this... Portrayal of Nightcrawler, hear me out, surprisingly feminist. He is the damsel in distress in this episode, and it's Firestar Mm. who saves the day. That's kind of cool for 1982, admittedly. You know, how many cartoons can you think of that would, you know, do that? Um, So, yeah, I I agree. Nightcrawler was kind of the jokester of the group. One thing, though, that uh, cracked me up was the fact that Thunderbird was able to tell. That it was a fake Nightcrawler luring them into the maze of madness because Nightcrawler's teleports didn't smell like brimstone.
1: <laughs> That's great.
0: Actually, I think they said they got it wrong. They said ozone. I think right. Well, it but should
1: be no, 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 yeah, no, no no. Said, no, no, no. They said no, no. They said brimstone. Spider Man smelled ozone from the real uh, missile.
2: Okay. Okay. okay Spider
1: Man okay. said ozone when they when they were talking about Nightcrawler. They did say brimstone.
2: Okay and that yeah. is true T. because he is a tracker like that's one of his superpowers mm-hmm. is that he's like he's hyper gifted because he's a tracker it's right? it's
3: just interesting that they use two atmospheric gases as plot devices in this episode <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ozone and brimstone i guess they kind of make sense though because um you know spider-man was talking about the ozone and how that's reminiscent of a very dangerous danger room and all of a sudden you know, instead of just simulations, like level one, the easy one. But he knew he was on level seven because the missile smelt like ozone or whatever. So, like, I guess it kind of makes sense and leads into the maze of madness. And you, you would just think that it would be Spider-Man that senses the brimstone later on to continue that plot device. But instead, they switched it from Spider-Man to Thunderbird. Hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. 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 It, it, it would have made sense that they would have connected it at all. I mean, even... I, this is why I feel like it, it feels like Marvel team up to me because sometimes <laughs> things just happen. Like I really love the idea that they were able to tell that it wasn't Nightcrawler from the smell, but then later on they run into Nightcrawler again and they're like, Oh, it's him. It's really him. I smell the brimstone. And then, uh, bad guy. Well, I see uh,
2: Siberiad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Siberiad goes, Haha, ha. I tricked you this time. I'm, made it smell like brimstone it's just like okay (laughs) uh, all right i guess like i don't know it just uh it 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 wasn't very clever that he just changed it like i don't know there were there were i felt like i feel like there were a lot of moments like that that just didn't particularly work and didn't like flow nicely and i think it's possibly because there's just so much going on in this episode for such a short little thing.
0: Well, there's still one more episode or uh, character to talk about, and this is yeah. one of the most important ones, and that's Kitty Pride, whom, you know, is. I mean, we could talk about Kitty Pride for the entire episode, but um, a very influential mm-hmm. character in, I guess you could say, children's fiction, because she directly influenced Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She influenced a lot of people that grew up reading X Men at this time. And I think the other important thing about. Uh, Kitty Pride was, she was in this episode she was also in Pride of the X-Men but by the time we got to the early 90s cartoon, the lineup of the X-Men had changed so drastically that she wasn't even included and they included Jubilee instead which I didn't like mm. so I was a fan of Kitty Pride in this episode even though they got her costume all wrong but uh, Brent, what did you think of Kitty Pride?
3: So <laughs> funny you say that Kitty Pride didn't speak until very late in the episode and the entire time she was there, I thought she was Jean Grey
0: oh really (laughs) okay she
3: had slightly auburn hair and then when they said sprite i was like oh it's kitty and then you know eventually like it was it was well into the episode that they she finally used her power but for the first little bit i mean she was only like you know in the background like who's who's that lady Mm -hmm. and i for the entire time i thought it was jean gray and just some Mm. sort of liberties with the continuity where all of a sudden jean gray was part of giant size x-men right but it was kitty and um, I don't really have much to say about her, though. I, I agree with your points in terms of her influence and her her all usually acting as a conduit into the world of the X-Men. And I, mm-hmm. I do love that about Kitty. And you're right. She doesn't show up at all in the 90s cartoon, not even once, um, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it was nice to see her in a cartoon form because aside from X-Men Evolution and, and proud of the X-Men, I guess, but that's, that's just a pilot, I had never seen Kitty um, in a cartoon. So that was kind of cool.
4: Right.
0: G.I. Uh, Julie, what did you think of Kitty?
2: Um, <clears throat> there's got to be a whole, like, generation of uh, young Asians who watched that X-Men cartoon from the 90s only and had no idea who Kitty Pride was. Because I'm, like, one of them. I had no idea that they had to erase one to include the other. So, like, when they included Kitty Pride in the films, like mm-hmm. the Sony films, I was mm-hmm. like, who is this? Mm-hmm. Where's Jubilee? Well, like, what? Why isn't <laughs> Jubilee here? Like, she belongs here. Like, this bitch just walks through walls. <laughs> but I mean, Jubilee's power is also comparably like lackluster. So I, I, I get Jubilee's character. Uh, I mean, Kitty Pride. I, she's not like my favorite. I understand what she does in the universe, but like in this episode. Mm. Once the you know the three stooges panning ends, it ends with her, and she's like, "Well, I'll just walk through the wall." Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And it's like, "Oh, perfect! There, that like that's when I knew it was her too." And it kind of threw me off when they called her Sprite. I just I don't know much about the character, so like that that, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, great! Like there was there was a circumstance for everybody's power and she serviced that need
1: Mm -hmm. josh i i think again she was fine i i think that the problem here is that we we know the x-men we know these characters so just seeing them on the screen we can kind of recognize who they are we we can get their personalities but i feel like this episode doesn't do a great job of informing an audience who wouldn't know who the x-men are who these people are and i think i think that's why i am just so eh on the characterization of a lot of these characters because like yeah i I liked seeing them but that's because i already know them if i hadn't then i don't know if i would have the same reaction
0: that's a good point um maybe that's why this backdoor pilot didn't go anywhere right because this version right. of the x-men that they did didn't wasn't really a success
2: um mm-hmm. now,
1: I, I think want, oh, go ahead I, I know i know it's spider-man and his amazing friends like i know it's it's a spider-man show and that's what people brings people in but if you if they were to have just dropped spider-man and maybe even like a couple of the other x-men and just focused it on like a you know a small group of them going on this adventure they could really develop their powers and their characterizations and maybe pull people in a little bit more but it felt like just too many cooks in the kitchen everybody had to have their moment and it didn't really work and i think that's another reason why it felt kind of thrown together and like uh not so coherent is because they had to give everybody their moment but they didn't really care if it was important to the story or not they just threw it in
0: that's a good point, point. and I also want to say one more thing to defend this series, and like, <laughs> something I, I didn't really realize until, because I've been watching the behind-the-scenes uh, stuff for the, uh, the Batman animated series, and I, right. I, I always knew about studios, and I knew about the animation teams, but I kind of didn't realize, like, when they would do shows like this, they would actually, they would story, they would write it, storyboard it, and then they would send it out to different studios, like, one episode would be by one, one episode would, would be by another, and so, you know, you talked about how what someone mentioned, well, they probably didn't have time to go back and fix the animation or whatever. Not only mm-hmm. that, the guy that did the animation wasn't even in the same room. He might have been in a different country, right? Yep. So I think this episode is an example of they probably gave it to a studio that just wasn't as good as maybe the other ones that they were used to. And... Right. Who knows what the original storyboards look like, but this animation was definitely not great. That's for sure. I will agree with that. But there are episodes of the show that have excellent animation, and they have, like we said, some of the same voice actors as Transformers and G.I. Joe and Scooby Doo. Right. So a lot of the same sound effects, a lot of the same music. So that's partly why I like the show so much, because it fits in with all those other classics from the
1: 80s. Right. So overall, I think. It, I, go ahead. Another thing to note about the animation and storyboarding. Um, usually with storyboards uh the like character moments there's not a lot of drawings they'll kind of just have like the one drawing and then maybe go to like a slightly different pose where with the action they'll do a lot of posing in the storyboarding to really convey what's happening and i think that's why a lot of the action sequences in this episode worked better than when a character is just talking to another one because There, there were definitely moments where there's some like fun stuff happening, but whenever the characters stop to have a conversation, I'm completely just done and lost. There's no emotion behind the eyes. They're like, you know, wall-eyed characters just like talking into nothingness. And I think, um, going off of what you were saying, that's probably. The translation of the boards to animation and if it wasn't the regular team working on this episode that could definitely be the reason why this doesn't work a lot of the times animation wise interesting so Mm
0: -hmm. i'll I'll just say that this was definitely not a great episode but obviously Mm. i recommend the show because i've watched every episode (laughs) i grew up with it and i love it uh brent Mm. would you recommend this series to anyone
3: Oh, absolutely. I think there's. I do think there's merit in, it. as much as I've made fun of it today. I I think it's certainly a, like I said earlier, a product of the early eighties, and that shows. But that was also a different time for comics, um, so mm-hmm. I I think it accurately represents the era, and maybe slightly before the era in which it, you know, was trying to represent. I think it is. It's great, giving us more of a lighter cartoon, maybe the lower stakes. You know, Spider Man has amazing friends. It's not exactly save the world stakes a lot of the time um but i know absolutely i'd recommend this for sure
0: awesome gi julie would you recommend this series
2: no <laughs> <laughs> i um i would only recommend it for like true diehards people who are coming in and enjoying spider-man say um who maybe you were only exposed to um the, into the spider-verse if you think that you love Spider-Man, or if you think that you're going to love Spider-Man, sure. But you can if you only have lukewarm feelings like me about Spider-Man, you can do without. Mm. Unless you have to quench some curiosity, but like, my curiosity is sated. I'm good. I
1: I, I think for me, um, even if somebody was interested in watching more spider-man i wouldn't introduce them to this first like i i would probably recommend the 90s spider-man before this one and then if if they are a spider-man fan i think that they would absolutely love this series um i haven't seen too many episodes of this uh the two i think that we watched i think we watched this one obviously and then there's the first one with green goblin and they're at a dance at the school right right That one also wasn't super great, but I, but there is, there is a lot of like eighties charm there. And I think it works like it's, it's the same quality as like the transformers or GI Joe series, I would say. And I think that uh, if you watched it growing up, you're going to love revisiting it. And it's going to have a lot of nostalgia there. Um, Even if you grew up, grew up reading the eighties comics, I think you would also have a lot of fun watching the show.
0: That's right. I agree with that. Now, we are going to jump to the 90s X-Men cartoon. So in between mm. this and the 90s X-Men oh, cartoon shoot. that can was you guys prior hear me? to the X-Men, which we will talk no. about in a future episode. But for now, let's talk about the 90s X-Men Hello. cartoon that everybody listening to this, I'm sure, knows about. And Josh, mm. can you quickly summarize the episode, Night of the Sentinels, the pilot episode of the show?
1: Sure. Uh, so we start off with the one of the most iconic theme songs of any tv shows i think ever uh it's it's amazing uh so then we we cut to uh jubilee i believe we start off with yeah jubilee and then um she's talking to her uh foster parents and they kind of have a dispute and they're talking about how she's a mutant and there's kind of this like you know distrust for mutants she, go, she runs off and she's at the mall and this uh, sentinel starts tracking her down. And then uh, it's Storm and... Rogue. Rogue? Is that who it was? Right. Mm. Okay, yeah, Rogue. Um, they, uh, they help her kind of escape and then the rest of the X-Men start showing up as well. Gambit's there. He's like flirting with somebody in the store and then eventually joins in and you know they they help her out. They bring her back to the uh, X Men after they uh, defeat the Sentinel, and uh, I think Wolverine ends up actually coming in and slicing off his head. And then yeah they bring them they bring her back to the uh, the X Mansion. She learns about uh, Xavier and you know the school for gifted youngsters. And then uh, at the end of the episode, uh, she is being interrogated by somebody in the uh, that program. What's it called? The, the Registration like, Act. Oh. Yeah, oh. so in Detroit, uh, that's Michigan, w- no less. Right. It you know, and the, a very accurate depiction, I would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much where we leave off. The X Men uh, 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 need to go save her. After that, so that's part one of the series. I know. Did you guys watch part one and part two?
0: No, I just watched part one.
1: <clears throat> okay.
2: I think I started watching part two and I was like, yeah, no. <laughs>
0: I'll <laughs> just... Right, I gotta say right quickly, uh, my, my opinion might be the odd man out because when this came out, I was already 15 years old and I was a huge X-Men fan and it came out a week, only about a week after the Batman animated series had started. Oh. Be, be, that was so good and I, I, I swear to God... I have thought, I thought then, and I've always thought that this show is terrible. Um, so going back and rewatching it, <laughs> I still think the animation's terrible. Um, but I was slightly, the the writing was slightly better than I remember, only in that I think they managed to get the appeal of the X Men right, especially with starting with Jubilee and having it take place in a shopping mall. I think mm. as an adaptation it actually was better than the Brian Singer movies in that regard but I'll I'll leave my review at that for now and uh Brent I want to know what you think of this episode I'm sure you love it right
3: Well I mean I love virtually all of the the episodes of the 90s cartoon I I love it I love the sense of us versus them that's instilled and interwoven through a lot of the themes in the episodes and for a children's cartoon to able to pull that off and still have this menacing vibe of discrimination, which the older I got and the more I rewatched the show, the more it hit home for me as a minority, but also just, it's incredible that they were able to pack in loaded dialogue in a 20 minute episode and make it come off as a serious, threat you know humans or other mutants Mm -hmm. or there's they deal with some heavy topics um in the series so i really appreciated that it's you know as colorful as it is being a 90s cartoon they they definitely made it a lot less light and fuzzy than spider-man and his amazing friends there's there's a considerable tonal shift there which i identified with and i know for a fact brian singer also loved the X Men '90s cartoon for that exact really? reason, because it okay. did such a great job of portraying prejudice and discrimination. Um, so in that, I mean, I love, I love it. I love the '90s cartoon. Not to, not to say though that it's perfect. I do agree, Mike, that there is some embarrassing animation gaffes And <laughs> the, the more that you watch the series, you'd, you'd think surely they figured it out by season two or season three. And no, yeah. there's constant changes. In Wolverine and Gambit's costumes, going from blue to pink and yellow to blue for Wolverine, <laughs> yeah. um, constantly, Constant You'd think they'd figure it out after the first two seasons, but no. Um, and I, but I do think though that the the '90s cartoon also does a fantastic job of giving the X Men a dynamic in terms of how they talk to each other and how they treat each other. You instantly know where Wolverine stands with Cyclops, mm-hmm. where you know where Gambit Pretty stands more, with the rest eh? of the team. Yeah they do an amazing job of getting those interpersonal dynamics down pat in a cartoon so i i have nothing but mostly positive things to say about the 90s cartoon
0: uh gi joe lee what do you think
2: i too grew up with this cartoon i was eight when it came out and um not having the ability to watch that batman cartoon i think um the way that this was delivered to me was like in the morning on like ctv or, or something like in reruns and i didn't have the ability to watch batman like i didn't know that that batman cartoon didn't exist to me until like years later when um teenage boys tried to make me watch it so and they're like whoa what were you doing in the 90s with i was like well living in the country without cable so um to me this was this this was had the same effect. Uh, again, a, a different kind of minority from Brent, but like it spoke to me. Uh, this is the first time I saw somebody who was representative of me. And it may have been a cartoon, but it's it spoke to me. And she was an outsider in a different way, like, and she was navigating that, and it was really cool. Even though her power was kind of like not the greatest, <laughs> um, and she wasn't the most powerful X Men, like i like the cartoon though i will echo that it is in re-watching it um in my adult life it is terrible um the quality and how it didn't hold up like fun fact like i didn't know this and you were saying about the animation how it was inconsistent it's because it was outsourced to a south korean studio and uh-huh. the reason why there's so many like uh, there's so many Canadians on the dockets because they did the voice acting here in Toronto, not here, but in Toronto. Right. So they did the voices here and like, I don't, <clears throat> Fox was in the U S and it was a mess. She was a mess. So, <laughs> um, you know what? It, it, the themes hold up, right? if someone maybe were... arguably
3: even more relevant today than ever yeah
2: yeah uh for sure um could it be better written absolutely <laughs> better animated yeah i mean i could mm. animate this better than it was animated and i'm not an animator like josh could definitely animate this better <laughs> for instance <laughs> uh, anyway that that's it i mean yeah it, it's it um it's still the themes the characters they still resonate with me this cartoon however is just it's not what i remember it's like when i go back and watch gargoyles it's not what i remembered
1: yeah
2: uh i just recently did
1: that too (laughs) yeah uh i think that for me the show and the story and the themes for sure hold up the animation um not so much it's pretty much what i remember because i i have recently already uh, revisited this show, so I wasn't so thrown off by the animation. But it's not good; <laughs> it's it's not great. Um, <laughs> uh, I I will say though, I think that um, in contrast to the last episode we just talked about, there are some really great moments where we get to know each of the characters. Where we don't right. have to stop; we don't have to stop the show and be like. Colossus. This is Colossus' character. He rips open doors. Like when when there's a character moment, it you even if it's small. Like with Gambit, we we get to know him when we're first introduced in the mall, and he's flirting with this store clerk, right? right. And there's like commotion going on, and he's distracted by this girl. You you right. automatically know like what his whole deal is, and then when he he still shows up and saves the day, like you, they don't have to like stop the action to like have gambit show off like look at I got some card tricks and like you know it's 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 less on the nose <laughs> um and again the themes I think really hold up um I see I watched this also um as reruns in like the late 90s early 2000s um like I was watching this probably like 2001 2002 and um this was, uh, yeah, definitely an important show, um, especially as like somebody who would be like more of an outcast. And, you know, I feel like everybody feels like it feels that way when they're younger and can really relate uh, uh, to these characters. And I think that, again, the themes hold up super well.
0: Well, uh, I yeah, I do have to agree. I think the writing was slightly better than I remembered, and for that, I would definitely want to go on. I, I might go on and rewatch this show. Um, but before we uh, go any further, and we don't have to go through every episode, uh, every character, but I want to briefly talk about these costume designs because, um, as I mentioned, uh, this series was launched right after X the X Men Volume Two Number One came out, which was. Mm-hmm which was kind of, I guess you could say, Jim Lee's redesign of the X-Men. It was initially written by Chris Claremont, but he ended up quitting because of uh, conflicts with Jim Lee that the editor sided with Jim Lee about. And so Chris Claremont, after writing for 17 years, decided to quit. So this is really the Jim Lee era X-Men. And I just want to briefly go through these characters quickly. Uh, Jean Grey, I think her costume is horrendous. Uh, But Brent, I want to know what you think of this version of Jean Grey's costume.
3: Oh yeah, this is. I don't think Jean's been blessed with many great costumes throughout her tenure. Um, (laughs) It does. I mean, we're just talking this episode alone. I agree with you. I'm not a fan of her '90s costume. It looks like she's wearing a giant blue V, um, and then she just looks naked. Like she looks like Mm. you know Lady Gaga on that thing,
4: (laughs) right? Um, right. mm. (laughs)
3: but she i mean i will i will concede when the phoenix saga comes around and they bring in that iconic look it it does it's a great look for oh, her yeah, but in this episode mm-hmm. terrible
0: right i agree with that uh gi Jolie, what'd you think of her outfit
2: oh you know again yeah she looks like a norwegian pop star <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. So she does yeah. pretty rock yeah
2: like weird strange hair like I, I, I can't tell uh what is in service of trying to hide their identity and what is in service of like just trying to look like a cool superhero costume so like who do, who decides these things who designs these things i don't know but this was horrible it was like it was terrifying to look at yeah it, like none of it made sense you wouldn't want to fight in that you certainly don't want to walk around the world in that like right what is this anyway it's garbage um, yeah and josh would you
0: think of jean gray's
1: outfit yeah it's like the the hair is what i think really uh messes it up like it's slicked back in the top and then it's like a ponytail but it's like but the ponytail i think is below the mask right so like she's got that like half mask that doesn't cover her hair <laughs> right. but the ponytail right. i think sticks out the other end of the mask instead of just being like that classic like jean gray like loose like flowing i feel like that even even that would fix it a whole lot
2: Uh yeah it's not great she's a glorious redhead and they're just caging that beast like Mm. what is wrong with you people (laughs) it looks like she's gonna participate in a street fight
3: the X Men do not have a good track record with these these head coverings because Gambit has the same problem. He has long hair down almost to his butt, but for some reason, when he wears the head covering, his hair is spiky in the front end and it looks like a you know a short updo. And it makes no sense logistically how his hair can go from up to down. There's there's something just not working out there with that head covering.
0: Well, also that's also designed by Jim Lee. I should point out. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's talk about Gambit briefly. Uh, that outfit, I mean, that's the same as the comic book. But
4: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, he's got the trench coat, which is pure 80s, 90s. He's got the hair. He's got the pointless mask that doesn't cover his face. He's also got the, the pink and blue body armor thing. Uh, what right. do you think of the rest of his outfit, Brent?
3: So I I personally really like this, this um, iteration of Gambit. Uh, And I think there's a nice touch with this outfit in particular as it relates to his place in the X-Men, you will not find an X symbol on Gambit's outfit, which I think is really representative, not so much in this episode, but as his role and his dynamic within the team, he is the outcast amongst the X-Men. And so I always thought that was interesting that he didn't have any X representation on his uniform, which kind of gave to his whole mysterious side. Like, whose side is he on? Is he an X-Man? Is he just that scoundrel thief, you know, deep down in his heart? So I like this version of Gambit, both aesthetically and for the implications of the outfit.
0: Interesting. Okay, Uh, Julie, what do you think of Gambit's outfit?
2: That's fine. I, <laughs> do you know what? It, it, it looks a lot like streetwear to me, um, which is you know, it's in. But the armor is weird, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't really. I guess it makes sense because his power isn't like he can't like. There's nothing to protect him, um, but it's. There's just so many, like, different things that make him look, um, like a vagrant. Like, they may as well have just torn the the arms or the sleeves off of his trench coat. <laughs> and just left the fray. Like, his hair is very, like... I don't know what it is about everything in the 90s, but all dudes had a hair like that. That's that just weird, like, mm-hmm. mop, spiky mop. In cartoons. And I... What? the balaclava that's covering his head but not his ears like but also not the top of his head which is <laughs> strange i it's like a scar it's like a it's like a balaclava with holes in it i don't know i don't know i don't hate and it, it
1: weirdly though. like sticks to his face and it's got like that classic gambit like cut out on like the cheekbone right yeah. um yeah i never really understood the whole mask like half mask thing for Gambit, but I will say I think the rest of the costume for me is completely iconic. Like this is exactly what I think of when I right. think Gambit. So for me, mm. it it completely works in this. He he completely works for me in this uh, this series.
0: Right. Yeah. He he's fine. Uh, so now let's talk about Cyclops because Jim Lee's redesign of Cyclops okay. is still. It's based on the original, the original version of Cyclops that we just saw in Spider Friends, except he's added on these little uh, straps around his gloves, and he's given him a strap on his chest, and now this is considered iconic, but objectively, I don't think it's bad. I just don't know if it kind of goes along with everything else Jim Lee does, which is just adding extra stuff to the costumes that they don't really need. But uh, Brent, what'd you think? what do you think of this version of Cyclops?
3: Yeah, I would agree with you. I feel like I, as much as I'm privy and, f- and favorable of the 90s version of the X-Men, I do think this costume isn't actually Cyclops' best look. I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. But I'm I'm much more um, partial, I think, to his design in in the 70s and the 80s. So this one, it is a bit jarring. It's a bit much, um, you know, I get that it's also an iconic look, but I'm not, you know, it's when I think Cyclops, I think... Covered head Cyclops from the seventies and the eighties. That's kind of my mm-hmm. my preferential Cyclops.
0: I like. I personally like his hair showing, but that's just me. But uh, GI Julie, what do you think of this costume design for Cyclops?
2: Mm, it's the one that I'm familiar with, so mm. uh, I just I just assume though that every time I see a yellow belt, that there's like um, shark repellent in it. Or, <laughs> like, flash bombs, or, you know, like, that they're a utility. Um, because he doesn't have a lot of pockets anywhere on that skin-tight suit. <laughs> but, like, he never pulls anything out of them. They kind of look like seatbelts. I don't good know. Good point, good point. Uh, it, to, me,
1: to me, it's always looked like he's been wearing one suspender. Right, right.
2: Like, Right. Like the belt
1: doesn't <laughs> like the belt doesn't work, so he's just like well, I guess I'll wear the belt like this.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. A yeah, yeah this... and
1: it makes like a weird Y. I don't know.
2: It's like a. It's, K-pop it's definitely Pop not harness. my favorite, but
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, K-pop you're right. Harness, it's yeah. like if they would have just
0: given him one more, it would have been an X, right? One more strap, but whatever. Maybe
3: they thought that was two on the nose.
0: Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if they were care that. I don't, yeah, maybe. Um, okay, we got a couple more to go. Uh, Jubilee, the ugliest costume possibly in history. Brent, what do you think of it?
3: <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Who's gonna wear a you know a yellow a neon yellow trench coat and those those duck shoes or you know those those combat boots whatever she's wearing? I, I, yeah, Jubilee's costume is not for me, and also not practical for you know in field battle. Not that she participates much in this episode, but later on.
0: Right, yeah, it's pretty rough uh g i Julie, what do you think of this outfit?
2: um oh God, everyone looks like, they're <laughs> going to a, like a rave, right, um, but like and one of those like subterranean raves in like nineteen eighty one um I don't know about this one, it's not good, um, do you know what though um the the later version of it is better, but it's what not are, much what, better. What do they change? I don't remember. Um, they, like, changed the whole thing, I think. Okay. Um, don't they give her a
3: bob cut in the last 10 episodes?
2: Yeah. Like, in the the last, the graduation episode, um, it's the only time you see her costume change, and they get rid of the jacket. Because uh. the jacket is, honestly, it's, like, even more impractical than a cape. Right. But I will say that it's the closest to um, IRL that you're going to get. So when you go to adapt, um, say when you, when you go to adapt this into a movie, it's the one that looks the least silly.
4: Yeah, that's when a good it's, point. It's w- when so it's close.
2: made live action. Right. Because, like, a yellow trench coat exists in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know about, like, the kitchen gloves, but... Mm. I know. Yeah. I- Anyway, but the um, jean shorts, like you know, I have jean shorts.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> uh, Josh, what
1: do you think? Um. Okay. So for me, I I kind of like it. Um. I I agree with the the yellow like kitchen gloves. Those are weird. But it gives me like April O'Neil vibes and like being that character that like pulls you into the story and being the audience. Um. I, I think. I think that she's the one that's supposed to not be an X-Men. So not giving her a costume and just being a civilian in jean shorts and like a eighties trench coat and just being that like every man, I think it completely works. Uh, one, and it kind of feels like she's not yet an X-Men. And I think that carries on throughout the entire series where she's more of a student and not, not 100% a part of the team because she hasn't learned everything yet. I think later mm-hmm. on, once she is more of a part of a team, it, would have helped to maybe like change it up and give her like a real costume. But just as like an outfit goes, I think it works and it really feels eighties to me. So.
0: So we, we briefly talked about cause storm's costume in spider friends was actually not that much different from this one. And this is kind of, it's the same costume. Jim Lee designed in the comics, except in the comics it was black and the cartoon it's white. But Brent, what do you think of storm's costume here?
3: I, I get, I think Storm takes the cake for best costume in both versions of the show we're watching. This is another iconic look for her. I can just, when I see her in this episode, I think of her on that first cover of Jim Lee, you know, flying. It's that, you know, three-piece cover that you put side by side. And I just instantly am drawn back to that image. Um, I love it. It's regal. It's white. You know, it's, it's, it, it When you see her in the team lineup you you know she's that badass weather witch Mm -hmm. um so i think it does a good job of being an extension of her of her goddess personality totally so i'm i'm on board with this version of storm
2: nice julie what do you think oh i'm into it um (laughs) i'm super into it this is like anytime i saw a pile of like those marvel trading cards at like a flea market this is the costume I would dig out of those piles like this is the card because it was like she's black she's badass look at that freaking costume flying through the air like her hair was the best thing like just white crazy white matches her eyes and then like these weird wings that like I guess she uses to glide on what air pockets I don't know Mm -hmm. but anyway like Weather helps her fly. Cool. Um, I don't, Do you know what's really strange? I don't like the black costume. I like the the silvery white costume. There's just something about it that's, um, I guess it's just more costumey.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh, what
1: do you think? Yeah, it, it definitely makes her stand out and like makes her pop in the lineup. Um, I think the only thing I don't like about the costume is the double X's. Like, everybody else has, like, the one X is like, a badge, and she's got two, one Mm -hmm. on each, boo. And it's always just kind of stood out to be like, did we need to put two from there? Okay. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) Jim
0: Lee. Um, Okay, so uh, (laughs) let's jump to Rogue. Um, Rogue had a slightly different costume before this, but before Jim Lee redesigned it, I always liked the little jacket, but not my favorite version of rogue but i still love the character and by the way her voice in this show is perfect but uh brent what do you think of this version of rogue
3: i agree i love the little bomber jacket number Mm -hmm. that she puts on i love Mm -hmm. the the short gloves they're not as dramatic as jubilees and but you know at least rogues serve a functional purpose um so i like that they draw attention to that um the voice is iconic. And fun fact, actually, about the lady who voiced Rogue, she is the member of provincial parliament in a small Nova Scotia town of my childhood neighbor who now lives in Nova Scotia.
0: Really? Wow. Rogue is in
3: politics, baby.
0: Wow. So she's not a southern belle. That's
3: awesome. <laughs> yeah. So she uh, she's in the Truro township or just one over. I can't remember exactly. Oh, wow. But um amazing and yeah you you hit, like sh- the voice hits the nail on the head like you know as soon as she she um goes after that sentinel and she makes a few comments about storm lightening up you know in terms of her weather talk you know this is that sassy southern belt rogues my favorite character
0: yeah her yeah. Like, absolutely yeah she she was always my favorite too like i had a crush on her as a kid for sure uh yeah. Julie, go ahead
2: like if anyone is going to call anybody sweetheart or honey or like just any any term of endearment it's her. She gets to do it because it sounds like butter and she like honestly she was like my favorite growing mm-hmm. up. Um mm-hmm. I didn't know what um I didn't know what her power actually was until those X those horrid X-Men movies came out but like right, right. she flew around and she was boss and um, like she hung out with gambit which was cool because you know he was a weirdo but um I, I, in terms of her costume though um again I just don't get what it is with like the the whole like biker gang thing um or like the the need to t- to throw a jacket on it to make it look edgier um but i I, I always loved the hair the -hmm. hair was the thing and it really that's the one thing that really kind of like um unnecessarily unreasonably irks me when i see cosplayers cosplay her is when they get the hair wrong it like makes me angry (laughs) 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 but anyway just putting it out there
1: (laughs) uh josh what do you think of rogue yeah uh, it's uh, she's super iconic again with the the hair like you know automatically who she is i like the costume it doesn't really i think matter what costume she is wearing um you you automatically know who she is and i think that's fantastic it really makes her stand out um i do again i like the like weird like cut off bomber jacket uh i think that I, i think that i think it's because it almost like humanizes them a little bit more they feel less of like costume superheroes and you can tell that they're everyday people, and I also love that they're in the mall in regular clothes. They're not in their costumes. Yeah, right, like if this right. if this was Spider Man and, and and his amazing friends, I can guarantee you, Storm would have been walking around the mall with a cape on.
4: Right. <laughs> you, know I, you
1: know what I mean? Like right, it just—I right. yeah, don't yeah. know. It, it just—they seem normal. Like she's got like I think the lightning bolt earrings and everything on. Like Rose got this like purple blouse with like. A necklace, like they just look like normal people. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that I think that those like little touches, like the bomber jacket, make them more human.
0: I agree. I, I think yeah, you're absolutely right. Some people complain about jackets, but you're right. I mean, it definitely makes them a little bit more human than just walking around in like leotards, basically, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, so. it gets kind of cold in the upper atmosphere. You gotta stay warm yeah. when you're a flyer, right? <laughs> uh, okay, a couple- can we just talk
0: about? Sorry,
2: can we just talk about the
3: fact, too, that Storm used lightning to turn herself from civilian clothes into her costume? Are we just gonna let that one slide, or like... (laughs) I didn't know any... You're
0: not. (laughs) Artistic license, right? They were going for a Spider Friends thing, just like how Firestar just... Same deal, right? Good fun, Did she zap
3: her clothes off? Did she have the uniform on underneath? Like, is there an explanation?
0: They were playing fast and free in the early days of the X-Men cartoon, I guess, eh? They just didn't care much. Yeah. Okay, a few more to go. Uh, this uh, this this design does not translate. I don't think at all. I think Beast looks like an idiot. I'm sorry, but that shade of blue does not work, and I can't stand his freaking hair, especially because it's the exact same as Wolverine's. Brent, what do you think of this version of Beast?
3: there's just nothing to it really like it's it's just a sumo thong right that's basically what it is uh so yeah it's it's underwhelming it's unremarkable yeah i don't have much to say about it it's not my favorite look for beast
0: right uh gi jolie what do you think
2: Uh, i mean it would make more sense if he was completely naked he's just covered in fur isn't he usually Yeah, I mean, this is the beast. He always does look like
0: this, but it's like they made him look worse. It's like the same, (laughs) but worse. You know what I mean? He looks like this, but
1: better normally. Mm.
2: Oh, I see. Okay, do you know what? Yeah, they didn't really make him look fuzzy. They just, like, messed up his hair, slash, Mm. made his hair look weird. And also, just, it's like skin. Everywhere is like skin. I thought he was fuzzy.
0: Right, it's not fur. It's supposed to be fur, right?
2: Yeah, I would prefer furry beast.
0: Hmm. Uh, um. Yeah,
2: but they gave him a hairstyle that's like kind of discernible, but in a very like professorly kind of way, I guess.
0: Great voice, though. Great voice. Yeah. Just, I can't stand his look. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh, what do you think of the Beast?
1: Yeah, I've never been a fan of like the Dracula hair for Beast. Like,
0: right? In right, in, right. in the
1: animated series or in the comics. Um, I really like beast as a character, but his design never really did anything for me either way. So yeah, right. it's the beast. It works. It works.
0: Okay. Now we're going to talk about the most important character in the show and that's morph. Okay. That's the rest of the show. <laughs> Who we know, actually we don't even have to talk about morph. Actually, we can <laughs> skip him. Let's go directly to Wolverine. Um, I, again, I grew up reading X-Men, okay? And from 1981-ish to 1991-ish, everybody knew Wolverine had his new brown and orange freaking costume, and everybody knew that his old yellow and black costume was ugly. And then right when Chris Claremont quit the X-Men, what did Jim Lee do? He put Wolverine back in the yellow and black costume, and so that's what they used for the cartoon. So now that's what everyone associates Wolverine with. I... I have a personal vendetta against this costume. Brent, what do you think of this costume that technically is Wolverine's original look?
3: I don't know if I have as strong of feelings about it as you do, clearly. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do like the brown and orange one, though, that I, I he is also very well known to be in. Right. I do like that look. Um this one I think is also iconic though and I maybe that's just a product of my age sure. um, I know they were going to try it in the movie I think there's a deleted scene in, in um, the Wolverine from 2013 where they had the mask Right. and I was like oh are they going to do it but then of course the Fox movies wimped out yeah. um, but I I like it but I also um, I do prefer the brown and orange costume
0: thank you G.I. Julie what do you think of this uh, yellow and black costume or yellow and blue costume
2: I think the everything in the '90s suffered from like the spawn effect, which was like that 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 eye shape. Everything had that weird mm-hmm. swoopy shape. Uh, it, it's like it, it was in everything that everybody was drawing, and it was like. Bleh. And that's what that looks like to me. Those things, whatever the hell those are. They're on the side of his head. Oh, I don't the, get it. Okay, the mask, yeah. I mean, he's got ears. He always had them, but they yeah. made them
0: look bigger here.
2: Yeah, do you know what? Both costumes are super ugly. It <laughs> honestly like, doesn't matter to me. I, I've i never been a fan of Wolverine's costume. I've been a fan of Wolverine. Like, He's pretty cool. But like... Uh, I really I didn't like the way he looked like in a costume until I saw like the Grant Morrison stuff and I was like wait a second who is this Mm -hmm. like it like to me when I think um, when I think of people who um, still maintain that comic books are a joke and that they're for children this to me this is one of the reasons why is that like it's so it's camp in a bad way
0: right right it it It, it looks like adam west batman well
2: and then but even uh, but that's the thing is that you can argue that adam west batman is um good camp because it has a place inside like pop culture history um and it's not as ridiculous as the shit that's like Sliding off the side of his head Like I don't it,
4: mm-hmm.
2: There's nothing practical about that mask There is also nothing practical About the shoulder pads That that they even exist on a leotard Is like kind of ridiculous It's it, it doesn't look like a dance outfit It doesn't look like um, <laughs> It doesn't look like a gymnast outfit It doesn't look like anything Yeah. And the boots are stupid too But like uh, not to mention the color scheme the color scheme for both is terrible the shape and utility for both are terrible like I just don't get Wolverine's costume it never in my mind jived with his power until I saw him in the leather jacket
4: mm-hmm.
0: interesting yeah. uh, Josh what do you think of this, this version of Wolverine
1: it, it does feel classic. It's never been my favorite. Um, I do really uh, uh, like the mask, though. Uh, I really love the the pointy ears, and I think that um, yeah, me too. What it, it's, it does feel very iconic for Wolverine, and I think what I really like about it too is that his hair weirdly matches it, like it's spiky just like <laughs> <Yes>. the ears. <laughs> so that way, when he takes the mask off, he's completely recognizable still i don't i, I just right. feel like it's i kind of like that idea and there's i don't know i i've never really been a big fan of any underwear on the outside costumes like i don't think like even superman like i know it's very iconic this might be blasphemy to say but like i'm just like and eh, i don't like the underwear very much mm-hmm. so i don't think it works for wolverine either It. Uh,
0: it is it is funny when people make fun of Superman for having his underwear on the outside. And I'm like, you mean like Wolverine and Cyclops and Hawkman yeah. and every member of <laughs> the X-Men? Like, but anyway, um, yeah. I, I want to quickly point out when Grant Morrison redesigned his costume in the 2000s, he said, Wolverine, well, in a Scottish accent, but I won't do it. He said, Wolverine does not need a hat shaped like his hair on his head. <laughs> That's what he cooked, but anyway uh i'm a big yeah. fan of his costume but anyway yeah we don't need to talk about more professor x was cool he's got the icon- iconic voice right i'm sure everyone likes the voice right
4: mm-hmm.
0: professor x's voice so we will not talk about that but um oh yeah yeah like i mean yeah i actually didn't realize how popular the show was until i got older and i realized how many people especially in the generation right below me kind of grew up with this and this was their mm. introduction to the x-men i just kind of didn't realize that until i got older so I am definitely intrigued enough that I might go back and rewatch this. Um, but right. I know you're always rewatching this show, right? So you definitely recommend this episode, right?
3: <laughs> I perpetually watch it from beginning to end and then I get to the end and then I start rewatching it again. Um, would I recommend this? Yeah, absolutely. I love this version of the X-Men for the myriad of reasons I stated before. I, I love it. I love the dynamics. The voices are so 90s but also so accurate um yeah nothing but positive things to say about the 90s x-men cartoon and this episode in particular is a great introduction to this family of x-men and how they they operate so i'm into it
0: quick question have you seen x-men evolution
3: i've seen it once through but only i've only watched the entire thing once so not nearly as okay. as well versed in it i just know i can only think of like the lineup off the top of my head okay. but i i do like X Men Evolution, but I prefer
1: the '90s. Oof,
0: okay, that's fine. That's fine. Is that the okay. one that's like
1: very like high school?
0: Yes, they're literally yeah, in okay. high school. Yeah, yeah. That's my okay. favorite version of the X Men ever. Anyway, G I Jolie, do you recommend this episode, this series?
2: Um, yeah. Uh, if we're going to compare the two, um, the last show that we watched, and then this, mm-hmm. I would hands down recommend this show over like even for people who are like just jumping into x-men i'd be like Mm. well you could watch that if you if you're into cartoons if you can stomach a cartoon try that 90s one that one's cute that's like a good primer i and then i would slowly walk them back to like the old stuff um because that's i mean but that's how i that's how I went on my X-Men journey. So that's the only mm-hmm. journey I can recommend. Um, yeah, I would recommend it. Brent watches this. I, I, I didn't know this, but Brent watches this the way that I watch Buffy from one to seven every year, which is like insane. <laughs> that's, I was like, that's good, good to know. <laughs> that's the way I yeah, am absolutely. with the
0: Transformers cartoon, beginning to end as often as I can. Really? Yep. Uh, <laughs> Joshua Mervell, do you recommend this
1: series? Uh, for sure, this is, when I think of the X Men, this is what I think of is this show. I I watched the show before I started reading comics uh, growing up in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Like this is this was my go to for X Men. Um, this is also like I hear these voices when I read the comics as well. So like it, I know th- this show for me really informs who and what the X Men are. So I would for sure recommend uh, this show.
0: And also, I should point out, as we're recording it, this episode, uh, it's actually the 20th anniversary of the release of the first X-Men film by Brian Singer, which I, I'd like to revisit in a future episode of the show, so maybe we'll slot that in. We're definitely going to yeah. talk about Pride of the X-Men, so Brent, you're definitely welcome to join us for that episode if you're interested.
3: Anytime <laughs> you want to talk X-Men, i you just let me know anything. See maybe animated just... series, movies, I'll tell it to you straight. we just need
2: like an x cast what's that maybe we just need like an x-men podcast there's just i feel like there's too much to do one episode here and there
0: that's a conversation for another time but if you are interested (laughs) we do a new episode of here comes the spider cast every week as well as flea market fantasy every week and josh you can take it from here
1: all right we want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast uh, it really helps when you leave a review over on itunes or drop us a tweet on twitter you can reach us at at hct SpiderCast or at comic syndicate on twitter and you can find us at the comic book syndicate pretty much anywhere else uh we'd love it if you guys would keep in touch uh we want to keep that conversation going
0: all right we'd like to thank gi Lee for coming back again and we'd like to thank uh harvey brent for joining us and Harvey Brent will be back in a future episode. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast.
1: All right, see you then. <laughs>